Well, hello, and I want to welcome you to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Horton. I'm here to bring you a short message that's designed to help you become all that God created you to be and to live your life to the fullest. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get into today's message. enjoy spending time with you every day. Glad you have joined me for the podcast today. Encourage you to let your friends know about it and let them listen in as well. Come and be a part of our services if you're in the Raleigh area. We have an eight o'clock prayer meeting on Sunday mornings and we have a really good crowd. It is an amazing time. Then nine o'clock service and uh, really um, here's what I say about our services. It's more than just a service but an encounter with God. So come and be with us. I'm talking here in our podcast for the last while, talking about uh, the need for the power of God in our lives as believers with the pressures that we are experiencing today and and how God has designed uh, us to be born again for the Holy Spirit to indwell us, but then also for us to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit, which provides rivers of living water um, that, that flow out of us to minister life to Others. I've been talking about the baptism with the Holy Spirit, and um, and the and the ability that comes with that experience to uh, speak in other tongues, speak with an unknown tongue, to pray in the Spirit. Um, uh, a lot of people use different different terms and phrases to to uh, for the same thing. Praying in other tongues is praying in the Spirit, and it's talking to God without the natural mind being involved. It's Spirit to Spirit communion with God. So I've been explaining, it's going to take me a while to do this, the reasons why it's so beneficial to pray in other tongues. First of all, we've said it's the will of God for every believer to pray in tongues. Secondly, it helps unseat, praying in the Spirit helps unseat the control, the unrenewed mind exerts over your spiritual life. Number three, and this is where I finished last time, and I'm going to be on this for a bit. It Praying in the Spirit provides a way for us to pray about things that we do not know about. And I mentioned various translations of 1 Corinthians 2, um, uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. And today I just want to read the Amplified New Testament, which amplifies the original meaning of the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians 14, 2, Amplified, reads, For one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands or catches his meaning, because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths and hidden things, not obvious to the understanding. So uh, tremendous um, things can happen when you pray in the Spirit, and, 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 you know, then, then go ahead and live your life. It's amazing how things work out or, or, or tragedies don't occur because you've been praying in the Spirit. See, see our spirit nature. See, when I'm, when I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit, when I'm born again, the Holy Spirit resides in my, in your human spirit. And that's where He is. And with the baptism with the Holy Spirit, there's an enhanced ability to, uh, to, to, to um, communicate with God 
by the Holy Spirit's power. Can you communicate with God without the baptism with the Holy Spirit? Well, certainly you can from your natural mind. But baptism with the Holy Spirit provides a way to communicate with God that bypasses your brain, your physical mind, and it's spirit-to-spirit communion with God. And it enlivens your human spirit. It makes you more perceptive to spiritual things. And our human spirit, because, because we are spiritual beings, the spiritual part of us, um, knows things that our minds don't know. Um, uh, the inward witness, you can say I had an inner knowing, a gut sense, uh, a premonition, and uh, just a knowing. You know, when you use those kind of phrases, you're talking about something that's deeper than thought. Where does that come from? Those things originate in our human spirit because our spirit knows things that our minds don't know. And 1 Corinthians 2.11 says very clearly, what man knows the things of a man, see, except the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. J.B. Phillips' translation is really good on this particular verse, 1 Corinthians 2.11. For nothing is hidden from the spirit, not even the deep wisdom from God, Verse 10, for verse 11 now, for who could really understand a man's inmost thoughts except the spirit of man himself? That's incredible. How, um, how much less could anyone understand the thoughts of God except the very spirit of God? So when we're praying in the spirit, again, to mention what I mentioned last podcast, we're uttering secret truths and just read it and hidden things, not obvious to the understanding. There are things about life that we don't know that we need to know. And praying in the Spirit, I just tell you, it gets the job done. Gordon Lindsay, in a book about being in the ministry and the minister's prayer life, uh, and I've, made, I've had this quote in my mind for decades now, he said, a praying person may pass by many dangers and not even be aware of them. That's... Uh, that's an incredible statement in and of itself. And so, you know, when we pray in the Spirit, you know, there are, there are walls of defense, as it were, that are set up around your life, and it just benefits in so many ways. Let me give you some more examples of, of just what's happened in my own personal life and uh, the benefits of praying in the Spirit. Now, uh, I've taken many missions trips to other uh, countries and nations. I think it's uh, the count is... 40 or more, a little more, somewhere around 40. I've been to various places. And in 2004, um, I was on the way to, um, to India for actually Calcutta, India. And then I was going on to Kathmandu, Nepal. And we were going to do uh, pastor's conferences as well as evangelistic meetings at night. And I was going with another missionary. And I had two people from our church going with me. Well, that particular time, uh, we had just, uh, the, the Passion of the Christ had just come out and uh, it was showing in theaters. And so we rented an entire theater section uh, for our entire church to go see the Passion of the Christ together. And, uh, so, and that was the day before I was to go on a missions trip. So um, uh, the very last day of February is, is the day I went on the missions trip in 2004. The day before, that was a Sunday. I was leaving on Sunday after I preached. So uh, Saturday, we watched the movie. And I noticed that my stomach didn't feel right in the movie. You know, about midway through, it just started feeling kind of like, mm, something's not right here. 
And uh, so we finished watching the movie, and then, uh, you know, uh, I needed to do a few things to get finished ready, uh, finished packing for the for the for the trip and then that evening I just felt my stomach felt really bad and I know how to believe God listen I know how to believe God and uh I prayed for myself and asked God to heal my stomach and it got worse and you know just just to show the Lord that I believed I received my healing and to act like I believed it um uh, my, my wife we were busy with this and that said well I'm going to go get something and she was going to go get some chili I said well bring me a bowl of chili too uh, and so, oh boy, I ate that chili and that was a bad idea. I felt worse. And so uh, that evening, I just my, my stomach just felt terrible. And I tossed and turned all night, got up the next morning. And I mean, I mean, I was in pain, big time. And uh, actually, uh, uh, our service at the time was 10 o'clock in the morning. And, but I had to leave so early that I had to, before we had praise and worship, I needed to preach before we had praise and worship. So I told the praise and worship leader, let me preach first, and then we'll, we'll you know, y'all have praise and worship after I leave. So uh, I got up immediately and preached a sermon. And before I got up, I said, God, if you, uh, you know, if you can take care of this pain I'm feeling in my stomach, I will, uh, I will preach. And honestly, but, but the moment I got in the uh, pulpit, the pain ceased. It was incredible. I preached my heart out, got back to my office. The moment I stepped foot in my, my office, my, my stomach began to just ache again. Anyway, I went on to the, to the airport, ate about a half a sandwich, uh, and that's before 9-11. No, it's not. It's after 9-11. Nonetheless, uh, yeah, 2004. Uh, nonetheless, um, uh, I did eat in the airport with my family, and then they saw me off, and I, I went to get on the plane. So anyway, um, uh, I was on the plane and had two people from church with me. We took off and we had to catch another uh, British Airways flight uh, in uh, Atlanta to go to um, to go to London, England, and then from London, England, we'd catch a flight and go to Calcutta, India. So that's the way it was. I was mid-flight in between Raleigh and Atlanta, and I got to feeling so bad. And listen, the Lord spoke to me and said, "Mitch, don't get on the next plane till you know what's wrong with you." And it was such in such a foreboding tone that I sensed that inside that, um, you know, I had some cash on me to help pay for some of the expenses. I went to the, I went to the bathroom and, you know, the apparatus, I had the cash in, I took it off. And I uh, went back to my seat and one of the guys that was with me on the, on the trip, I said, look, I'm, um, I'm not, I'm not going to get on the next plane because the Lord spoke to me and told me not to get on the next plane until I know what's wrong and what the origin is of the intense pain that I feel. So he took the money. I told him what to do. And uh, so one, we landed in Atlanta, one step off the, um, one step off the plane. I told the attendant, I'm in trouble. I need help. And they put me in a wheelchair and, and sent me off to triage. And uh, before I went and left the triage, they had me in the wheelchair and I actually fainted and uh, just lost, lost control of myself. And when I came back, too, I, I told the people I said uh, that were with me, the two, I said, y'all go on on the trip, go without me, y'all can do ministry on my behalf, and, and it'll be okay. So they left, and I was there at the airport by myself. Bottom line, I was whisked to a hospital, and uh, they did an examination, found out my appendix, listen, y'all, my appendix had burst. And sepsis had just eked into my abdominal cavity, and uh, and I was ill with that big time. And they told me I was in very bad shape, and I need it needed immediate emergency surgery. And uh, I was in and out of consciousness during that time. I called Susan and 
had them call her and tell her what was wrong. And she flew to Atlanta that night after I'd had surgery. So uh, anyway, I had the surgery. They removed the uh, the uh, ruptured appendix and, you know, uh, sewed me back up. And I was in my room recovering. And the next day, I called my mother. Now listen to this. There's a reason I told the whole thing. I told my mother the next day, well, here's what happened. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. I was on the way to India. but I never made it. You know, my appendix had burst, and uh, I didn't know it. And all she could say was, Mitch, Mitch. I said, what are you, why are you saying that? She said, I've been praying for you for the last three weeks. Now listen to this. And she said, I was praying in the Spirit so burdened for you. And then she said this. She said, the only thing that I could pray in English, and this astounded me. She said, the only thing I could pray in English as I just bellowed praying in the Spirit for you was, Lord, don't let him get on that plane. Don't let him get on that plane. Don't let him get on that plane. And, and that's, what, that's what I heard inside me as I was sitting in that plane seat between Raleigh and Atlanta. Mitch, don't get on the next plane until you know what's wrong. Oh, see, 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 my mother was praying in the Spirit and prayed out for me. Why didn't I perceive that? I don't know, because I'm just bull. I'm, I'm bullish in some ways, and I know how to believe God for healing. I'd never started a missions trip feeling that bad. But I was believing that God would heal me. But see, my mother had prayed. That's what I'm saying. When you're praying in the Spirit, you could be praying about other people in your immediate in your immediate family or people that you know or somebody maybe you don't even know. And it could be a life-threatening situation. Had I not listened to God, listen to this. So I had the surgery. I stayed in the hospital for nine days recovering. I lost 20 pounds in nine days. And I got back, got back to, uh, to uh, Raleigh. And, and I, remember, <clears throat> I remember I was at our old building on Aversboro Road and uh, just pulled up under the Port of Cashier and uh, called my mother. So, well, I'm back in, back in Raleigh. And among other things she said to me, says, Mitch, I, I didn't tell you the other part of what God gave me while I was praying. She said this, had you not obeyed God, they would have brought you back in a body bag. You would have died. Oh, well, uh, I felt like I was about to die there for a while. But, boy, that really shocked me. See the importance of praying in the Spirit. See the importance of, of taking time to get along with God and use that heavenly language. I tell you, uh, I, I think maybe it will be when we get into heaven that we may realize how many disasters were averted or things were changed because we took time to pray in the Spirit. Let me give you another illustration <clears throat> from one of my missions trips. In 2000, November of 2008, I went to uh, Goma, Congo, and uh, we were going to, I went with a missionary, and uh, I went with him a lot to various places. But here we are, Goma, Congo. Uh, Goma's, uh, Congo is right beside Rwanda. It's not far from Kenya. Uh, central, uh, uh, south, uh, central Eastern um, uh, Africa. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, so uh, we were going to minister to refugees in UN camps. They had been displaced by war that was ravaging Congo at the time. The Hutus and Tutsis had been fighting for generations, and they were still fighting, and, and many people were displaced from their homes. The, so the UN had set up camps, and these camps, listen, in Goma, Congo, had 50,000 people per camp, 200,000 people had been displaced. And we had gotten permission uh, to set up, a, to set up a, a place and minister in each of those four camps, which were not very far from each other. And the people were just living in little shanties, little shacks, 
set up by the United Nations, and they were feeding them and giving them water and such. So we went and we set up a platform, and we were going, so we got to go Congo, and uh, we had to go to the four camps and make sure we had security, make sure we had a speaker system and and all that, a platform was set up, and just really make sure everything was ready to go. So, you know, we had gotten to Goma and uh, gotten into our hotel, and, and then we had gone the next day, gone to uh, the four uh, UN camps uh, to, to make sure everything was ready. And it was mid-afternoon, oh, 03 o'clock or so, and we had gone to all four camps to make sure everything was ready. We had security in place because there's a lot of people there. And, uh, and we were in the, in the SUV we had, uh, that was provided for us by a local pastor. And we were going back to our, we were going back to our hotel room. And, uh, and, and we, we got on about a 30-minute ride from where we were back to our hotel on the other side of the city. And uh, it's near an airport. We didn't use that airport. We flew into Rwanda and then drove to Goma. But nonetheless, we were near the, about a mile from an airport there in the city of Goma. I guess a, a little a small airport. So anyway, we we got uh, we got on the road and we were going we were we were moving towards you know our hotel, and suddenly we saw an army convoy. That is a convoy of of army vehicles coming towards us. I mean they they were they were all, there was a long line, and there were guns, there were tanks, there were um, troop carriers, there were jeeps, and and then they were there were troops running towards us helter-skelter with wide eyes running. We told our driver, pull off the road, stop. What's going on? We're going into something. They're leaving. They're coming. They're going the opposite way from us. They're going out of town. We're going into town to where a hotel is. And nobody would tell us anything. And they were just spooked. And uh, the, it was crazy. So finally, we got, we got one of the pastors that was with us. He went and jumped up on one of the on one of the trucks that was moving in a fairly slow pace and asked the driver, what in the world is going on? And the driver said, oh, well, we're, we're going towards the enemy. That was a lie. They were being run out of town by the enemy army. Oh, my goodness. So they, they were afraid, and they were hightailing it out of town. So we had to get back to our, our uh, hotel room to figure out what to do. So listen, this is a crazy story. While we were sitting there, while we were sitting there, a tank got out of formation, somehow lost control. <clears throat> I've, not, I've not been in the military. I've not been around tanks, but I saw, I've got a picture of this tank. This tank was in, for, just in, the, in the convoy. Suddenly, it got out of the convoy, and I, it was coming straight towards us on the side of the road where we were, right in front of us, and it got so close to us, I literally saw the shadow of the tank on the front of the car. And it looked like we were going to be crushed by that big tank, our SUV. And, and you know, I, I, I still remember that time. I didn't have time to think about what was going to happen, except I remember my mind thinking of what it would, must feel like to be crushed by metal as a tank, you know, ran over us. And that's all I could think. I didn't have time to pray or anything. And y'all, just before that tank uh, hit us and crushed us. Uh, that whoever the driver was, God bless that man. He did a maneuver, and just before you can say scat, so to speak, he just he whipped that tank, you know, uh, right left and got right out of our way and without hitting us. I don't know how he did it. He was so close we could see the shadow. I don't know how he did it. It was supernatural, is all I can say. 
And uh, once that happened, then the missionary I was with, he turned around. I had a businessman beside me. We had another guy with us. And it was me and the businessman and the missionary. And uh, he said, I'm going to tell you all this one time. Uh, don't wait to pray. And he did this for the ben- businessman's benefit, I'm sure. Make, don't wait to pray. Make sure you're right with God now. If that ever happens again, you won't have time to pray. Uh, it was a precarious time. It took us, uh, it's what was a 30-minute drive, took us about an hour and a half, two hours to get back to our hotel because the Army folk that were running helter-skelter were trying to commandeer vehicles to get out of town, and we had to keep running away from them by going down side streets and such. It was quite a precarious time. It's really a, it's quite a bit to talk about. Nonetheless, here's the kicker. We got home from that and we ministered and had people saved and healed it was amazing time in uh, in the four um, in the four security camps the UN set up for the refugees and uh, wow we got back home and we have people that pray 24 hours a day for us when we were on these trips and uh, and and they sign up for different times so so I, we I talked to the people who uh, had signed up for nine for the time that would correspond to three o'clock in the afternoon. It was in the morning here, but it was in the afternoon in the Congo. When I comp- we compared time, both the people that were set to pray, they said, when I told them the story I just told you, they said, Pastor, that exact time, we were praying in the Spirit and we were crying. We didn't know what it was. The Holy Spirit came on us and we were praying in the Spirit and weeping, uh, really travailing in prayer for you. Y'all, their prayer is probably what saved our hides and kept that tank from running over us. You know, you're praying, and when you pray in the Spirit, you're speaking secret truths and hidden things that are not obvious to the understanding. You see, so, so I've had these kinds of experiences. I know it sounds crazy, but I really had them. This was in November of 2008, and... I'm so grateful to God that people were praying for us because I may not be here today. That's the truth. So I have firsthand knowledge here and experiences of what praying in the Spirit can do. When I come back next time, I want to continue giving you some illustrations of what praying in the Spirit can do in your life. Again, praying in the Spirit provides a way for us to pray for things that we don't know about. And we're living in such a precarious time now. My friend, we need all the equipment that God gives us to make it through the current day. We need to be able to pray in the Spirit, pray in other tongues, pray about the now, pray about the future, and utter those secret truths and hidden things so that we can fulfill the purpose and plan of God for life. Lord, I pray for all of us. May we see the absolute necessity of fellowship with you in prayer. We pray with our understanding, but Lord, thank you so much for the ability to pray in the Spirit and to, and to utter secret truths and hidden things that our minds don't know about and pray about unknown things and pray about future things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the mighty power of God available with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I pray that every person that listens to this would walk in the light of the Word of God, would walk in the light of the baptism with the Holy Spirit after they're born again, and would pray in the Spirit. And Lord, would be used by you uh, to minister life to others in the name of Jesus. And I commit this to you in Jesus' name. I can't wait to keep talking about this the next time we meet. God bless you, my friend. 
Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I hope you're able to get something out of the message today. Before you leave, please make sure uh, that you subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform that you're listening from. Doing this goes a long way in helping us reach a wider audience. Lastly, if you want to reach out with questions, concerns, prayer requests, or comments about today's content, you can email me at pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com. I would love to hear from you. Now go out there and be all that God created you to be today. God bless you.